Hello, and welcome inside the void with me, Spacey Ghost. What is the void? It is about to change your destiny and fate in ways you cannot even fathom. Actually, this is my anime slash whatever podcast. Surprisingly, not that much anime at the start of this new season, because we're going to talk about tarot. That's a thing I'm really into. I think I've been doing it for about... I'm trying to think. It was right around the time I officially moved to my new location that will remain redacted. For those of you who may not know what tarot is or only know of the name but not really what it's about, tarot is basically like you, you get a deck of cards. There's like specific tarot cards out there, although you can totally, like, if you want to, or if you're, like, strapped for cash, I guess, you can do the exact same thing, but with regular-ass playing cards, because I believe either tarot derived from playing cards or vice versa. Either way, it's all connected. Tarot consists of, I believe, 72 cards... I'm gonna get these ratios off, but I think it's like 54 of the minor arcana, and then 22 of the major arcana. I should know this, this is like a basic Tarot 101, but I don't feel like taking the time to look things up. We're just flying by the seat of our pants. Um, a lot of people might know it best by just the major arcana. That's what's typically depicted on TV shows and the like. You got, like, the fool card. Um, I know a lot of people know about the death card and the tower card. Those are, like, the ooh, scary cards. Ooh, yes, bad shit's gonna happen to you kind of cards. Not really. But that's what everyone thinks they are. The minor arcana um, comes in four suits. There's the wands, the cups, the swords, and the pentacles, which um, can change depending on which deck you have, depending on how closely they associate with, like, traditional tarot. Because there is traditional tarot, and then there's kind of more loosey-goosey, we're doing whatever the fuck we want kind of tarot. The general gist of tarot is that each card has a specific meaning to it. You shuffle them up. Any which way you go about it, you pull out the cards and depending on what kind of question you have on mind, what kind of query you have, but you lay the cards down and they sort of predict what's gonna happen, whether it be just in the day itself or like in the near future, in the far future, sometimes maybe even like depicting past shit as well. It's really up to the situation, but that's the general use and consensus with tarot. The most common tarot deck that's out there is the Smith Weight deck. That's kind of the typical one you see, the one that most people use for traditional purposes. But there are so many other decks out there, so many that exist. While they usually stick to the typical meanings, I know there are some decks that decide to like switch up the meanings depending on the creator's interpretation of the cards. Also, the art isn't um, the same 
I mean, I know there are some decks out there that take inspiration from um, the Waitsmith deck, but there are other decks where it's like, oh, here's a, a cat tarot deck. Oh, instead of the five of wands, here's five cats duking it out. Yeah, that's how that meaning's gonna go. I'm sure there's someone out there that has a better, like, in-depth way to explain tarot. But really, it, it, the, the way I'm trying to explain it seems so vague. But really, you can, you can literally do whatever with tarot. Like, I know the main conception is that it's like, ooh, some kind of scary witchcrafty tool that only witches use and, oh, the decks are, like, haunted or some shit. And it's how people convene with the spirits along with crystal balls and... But really, tarot isn't, like, solely a witchcraft thing. It's not solely an occult thing, even though it has those kind of, like, backgroundy undertones about it. How I originally got into tarot, I mean, granted, I say it's not solely a witchcrafty thing, but I know growing up, and even now still, I have kind of a soft spot for um, occult-type shit, which is kind of ironic given that I'm, I consider myself an agnostic person, like not really spiritual at all. I'm very like, oh, everything has a logical reason behind it. But again, maybe that's why I enjoy it so much. Like I enjoy looking at it through a, a different like outside lens. I enjoy um, looking into what all this occult shit is about. And when I say shit, I don't mean like, oh, it's all bullshit. No. While I believe there are reasons behind things, I just use shit as, like, a general term for stuff. Sometimes even in, like, a positive sort of way, if that makes sense. But anyways, I've always been drawn to occult-type things, and on top of that, it seems like pretty much everything I've been consuming has tarot, like, some way incorporated in it. Like, right off the bat, um, the first things I can think of are the book series, like, The Raven Boys. No, The Raven Cycle. The Raven Boys is the first book. <laughs> but the whole series is called the, the Raven Cycle. The main character, she comes from a family of tarot readers that may or may not also have, like, actual magical, like, ness about them. I'm a big fan of the Persona series. Each of the personas the characters use to, like, battle it out in those games, they're kind of um, based on the major arcana. Also, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, one of my favorite animes, even though I've yet to be caught up with it still. There is a section arc part uh, of that series where they fight bad guys based on the major arcana. I'm trying to think of other ones. I know there's a lot more out there, but those are, like, the main three that come to mind. Like, I have all these all these forms of media surrounding tarot, and I just have the thought, like, hey, you know, I should try out this tarot for myself. Let's see what it's all about. I believe it was August two years ago where I got my first deck. I know people use decks in multiple different ways. Like, I know there are 
tarot readers out there that think they're specifically speaking to like certain gods as they're divining with these cards. I know uh, there are certain people, maybe not gods, but like think they're communing with spirits or that there's some other like supernatural force behind um, the cards they are pulling. While I feel each of my decks, because I'm deep into this and I have many decks, so many decks, well, I think each of the decks that I have have like different, I guess, ways of giving me answers. Like, I also recognize that they're just cards. Like, there's no supernatural kind of force around it. I just use tarot as a means to kind of, um, while using the meanings behind the cards that are pulled in front of me as a way to kind of self-therapy and uh, look within myself and basically just figure out shit. Most of the time when I do a tarot spread, I I don't have any like predetermined question or anything on my mind unless I'm like feeling really anxious. I just mostly pull the cards and then from there decide like, oh yes, this is talking about this thing. Or, oh, maybe it's talking about that thing. Right now, I have so many tarot decks. So many that I don't even know what to do with. I'm even getting a new deck soon. The new deck that I'm going to get sometime, like, mid-March. That is a tarot deck I found um, on Tumblr. A bunch of artists got together and they made a off-theme deck. Off being the um, RPG Maker game or it's styled like that, um, made by Mortis Ghost. It's one of my favorites of that sort of genre of video games. And it's one of those games, I, it, it might be just like one of my favorite video games in general, just cause I've literally haven't stopped thinking about it since I, I finished it like years ago. And the aesthetic of it is just so top-notch. I'm excited to see what these cards are going to look like. I'm excited to see how um, similar or different the interpretations are between, like, the traditional card symbolism and what the symbolism from the game, like, how they're going to interpret that. Other than that, I think I have five other tarot decks. Let me see. I have... um, the Wild Unknown Tarot, which was my first one, and I know that's like pretty much everyone's first one, at least that's my experience. I mostly got it because when I was searching up a tarot deck, I wanted to stay away from the Smith Waite deck. I wanted a deck that was more, I don't know, not necessarily different, but like I didn't want to just start with the Smith Waite just because, like, you know, it's the capital T-H-E tarot deck that's out there. And out of all the other ones that I've seen, The Wild Unknown just stood out to me because it has a very monochromic, like, style to it, but, like, splashes of rainbow color, and I love me splashes of rainbow. Also, some of the um, pictures on the cards are just so brutal. Like, for one of them, I think it's the Ten of Swords. It's just, like, a massacred cow with, like, literally 10 swords going through it, which sounds really graphic. There's no blood or anything, like I said. While it's a metal-ass card, 
it's just swords through a deceased cow. There's, like, no blood, no guts, no anything. The only downside to the Wild Unknown deck is that there's a lot of animals in it. Like, less than people. I mean, I guess if you don't care about people, if you feel more closely attuned to animals, um, I guess there's that going for you. But, like, when it comes to the court cards... Court cards are part of the Minor Arcana. I have, for some reason, the hardest time deciphering them. Also, in like a normal playing deck, the court cards would be like your jack, your king, your queen, your knight, that sort of thing. To relate it even more so to what I'm talking about. Because I know most people, when they do tarot, they're supposed to be like some sort of important meaning to the court cards. Some people even suggesting that they actually mean literal people in your life. But when I pull one of the court cards and I just see a fucking owl on it, like, I I don't... I don't really derive any sort of meaning to it. it. It's just an owl with, like, a sword. And I don't think the booklet that the um, Wild Unknown deck comes with, I don't think it gives much help to, like, the meaning behind it. But like I said, while I don't believe there was any sort of like supernaturalness behind like the cards themselves, I still believe that the decks have, I guess, certain energies behind them. I guess even though they're inanimate objects, you could call them personalities. Like, I guess, for example, the Wild Unknown is a bit of an asshole, at least in my experience with it. The reason why it's my main deck that I go to is because it it really just cuts into the hard truths. Like, here, this is what you're not looking at. You're an idiot for not looking at it. But here it is, right in front of your face. I'm sorry you don't want to hear this, but there you go. Like, it's pretty literal and straightforward. And it doesn't mean it in, like, a harsh asshole way, it just means it in a blunt, like, hey, I care about you. Stop being such an idiot. Um, after The Wild Unknown, I bought a Constellation deck off Etsy, just because, like, I enjoy space, and the colors with it looks, like, really pretty. But the downside to the Constellation deck is that it's not good to learn from. It depicts each of the cards as literal constellations in the sky, which, again, is pretty, but it doesn't really give much to bounce off of intuition-wise. Like, you pull, like, the Four of Pentacles, and it just shows the Four of Pentacles. It doesn't really help anything. Like, yep, those are Four of Pentacles there. What do they mean? I got no fucking clue. Side note, I actually do have a clue, but, like... For someone who's less experienced with tarot, that doesn't mean shit. So it's probably the deck I've used the least. Like, like I've tried. I've really tried using it. I can't really decipher any sort of, like, energy. I can't decipher any sort of intuition with it. I'm debating actually just gifting it to someone. Like, I know I'm saying this bad shit about it, but who knows, maybe someone out there might actually enjoy it and use it more than I would. So if anyone wants a constellation deck, <laughs> hit me up. I'll be glad to to gift it to you. 
I know in tarot, there's actually like a big thing about being gifted a deck rather than buying your own. Even though it's perfectly fine to just buy your own, there's some kind of like big meaning behind having someone pass down their deck to you. My third deck is... I think it's called the Neon Moon deck. The Neon Moon deck is very loud. It's very... It's very all over the place. The card depictions themselves are pretty crazy. The color scheme is um, black and neon pink, hence why it's called the Neon Moon deck. It's got kind of like a cyberpunk, kind of like matrixy. I actually more, I don't know if anyone would recognize this, but it's more vibes close to like Repo, the genetic opera, which is this like cult rock opera that's out there that I like seriously enjoy. But it gives me those sorts of vibes. And I swear, every time I shuffle, like the cards are just all over the place, like flying out. Just so excited to like interpret shit with me. And I feel like with this deck, it wants to tell me so many things that it, like, even after doing a reading with this deck, I don't know what it is about it, but I just feel so exhausted. Like, ooh boy, your energy is way, way too high for my energy. I need to take a breather. Like, there was one time I did a reading right before work. And I was just so out of it at work after it. Like, jeez, Neon Moon. Settle down. You're like an excitable puppy. I get it. It's fun. It's nice. I like using you. But, but oh man. Uh, for my birthday last year, I got the Victorian steam Steampunk deck. Isn't a deck that I actually bought or someone bought for me. It was actually uh, my friend and roommate, um, Andreas. It was his deck back when he um, used to be into tarot. And I was really surprised and honored that he, like, gave it to me. And the thing is, other than maybe a few of the major arcana cards, it doesn't even have it doesn't really look steampunky because the minor arcana like they're bug themed which i don't really put steampunk and bugs together in my mind i mostly just enjoy it because i think the i think it's the wands i think the wands are actually um depicted as moths and i enjoy moths huge moth fan right here that one has um, bigger cards than the typical size of tarot decks. Also, um, the art on the back of the cards isn't reversible. So that sucks for when you are doing reverse readings. Because, um, I don't know, depending on the person, I typically like to use reversals. Reversals in tarot is just... Oh, this card has this meaning, we'll flip it upside down. Oh shit, it means the opposite. Or, oh shit, it means even worse <laughs> than the original meaning. It just throws in a whole nother kind of layer to it that I enjoy. But yeah, I can't really do that if um, you can already tell which cards are upright and which cards are reversed before even like flipping them over. It's been a while since I've used that one. But from what I remember, I think the Victorian steampunk deck is just really kind, really chill, kind of like a caring mother sort of vibe. 
Like, I think the very first time I used it, I was really worried about how things would go. Like, I thought I would have a disconnect, like I do with the um, Constellation deck. But right off the bat, it was just willing to work with me, despite not me not being its original owner. Because that's another thing. <laughs> Instead of having sections in this podcast, I'm just gonna ramble and then pepper in some, um, some tarot knowledge. That's how this is gonna go, I guess. But another thing is that, um, it's a common conception that decks, decks are very territorial. They don't, like, like, it's some kind of weird bad juju if, like, another person touches your deck or if another person uses your deck to the point where um, people who read for others, like, they'll cleanse their decks between each reading. I know I myself, just because I am superstitious as fuck, like, I do not let anyone touch any of my decks. Actually, maybe that's why I disconnected so much with the Constellation deck, because I remember showing it to a now ex of mine. No hard feelings. But, like, when I showed it to him, he immediately, like, touched his hands on all the cards. So maybe that's why I have so many issues with it. But yeah, I was worried. Like, oh no. Is this deck gonna, gonna accept me? Is it gonna miss my friend Andreas? But no, instead the reading, the first reading I did with it actually was really touching to the point where like I almost cried over a deck of cards. The last deck um, that I have, the last deck that I own, not counting another deck that I have specifically for D&D, because there's a D&D version of tarot that's out there that I'm probably never going to use, but I got it for Christmas and I think it's kind of cool and I'd kind of use it at one point. But in any case, other than that, the one deck that I have currently in my possession, the last one, um, my most recent one, is the Wildwood Tarot deck, which I got at Barnes & Noble. And it's got cool, like, Judaic, kind of earthy fantasy-type art on it that looks really neat. But the way the person, like, wrote out the meanings for each of the cards is so confusing. Like, there was one card, I don't even remember what the card is, but when reading the depiction of it, like, it doesn't really go into the meaning at all, it's just the author going on a rant about the environment for whatever reason. <laughs> this deck, it, it's very stubborn. Let's just put it at that, it's very stubborn. It took a long-ass time, like, I literally spent so much time just pouring over each individual card, trying to decipher the author's, uh, like, intuition of the cards, even though he doesn't really give much, like, black and white answers to it in the descriptions themselves. In the deck, when you use it, reads the same way. Like, it's very, like, oh yes, I have all the answers, but you have to figure out those answers. <laughs> Look deep between my symbolism. Try and figure this out, I dare you. It's very important that you do, but I dare you. And also, some of the cards are different than in the traditional Smithwaite deck. Like, I, I think in the Wild Wood, the Justice card and the Strength card, for whatever reason, are switched. 
and it, it makes no sense. And there was one other card, I think it was in the cups, I forget which one it was, but according to the author's interpretation of it, it was very much like a different card than what it actually was supposed to be. So then I moved on to that other card and I'm like, wait a minute, this is the exact same thing. Why, why are you like this, Wildwood? Why can't you be more specific to what you are? Why is your intelligence so much higher than my intelligence? Um, the good news about the Wildwood, though, is that it's one of the only tarot decks that I have that actually has better descriptions for the court cards than any of the other ones. And I love it. And I appreciate it. That's the only thing I'm thankful for about it. Sounds like I'm shitting on it. I'm not. It's just very hard to use. Maybe I'm just not that experienced in tarot. Like, for some of the cards, I've gotten to a point where I can look at it and instantly be like, oh shit, that's what that means. But there's still others where, like, even in a just-in-case situation, I have to, like, pull out my book because I have, like, my own book of, like, my own meanings behind them. And be like, oh shit, what did this thing mean? Oh shit, what is the Six of Pentacles again? I, I, I have to know. Does it mean what I think it means? Best double check on that. Audience question time. What? That's right. We got a hot question. Hot off of Twitter. And by hot, I mean it was around May of last year that this was sent in, back when I was originally recording this. But Jessica from Twitter asked, I'm curious about the way you cultivate your relationship with your ducks. It's such a unique experience for each individual. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for the lovely question. So, bonding with your decks. This is another common conception that you must bond with your deck to like fully, I guess, experience it, to like fully, I guess, get all the effects, all of the, um, all of the good vibes, a good way to um, help it work better for you. You don't necessarily have to do all this if you're um, studying slash doing tarot, if you don't want to. But I, I don't know. I think it's fun. I think it's cool to have like a little ritual sort of thing going down. Uh, I'm gonna explain what I've seen slash heard some people do and then just go ahead and do my own thing. Um, I know I've heard some people like leave their cards out during like a full moon on the windowsill or like even the opposite of that, like leave it out in the sun, let the sun's energy like bask in its glow. Terror cards don't glow, what am I talking about? Also, placing crystals on or around decks to, like, really help cleanse it up. One thing that I do is, um, sometimes I light incense and, like, kind of wave my cards. I'm talking about cleansing, not bonding. Uh, but they could be done interchangeably for interchangeable reasons. Yeah, incense... Um, I don't usually fuck with crystals, I just think they look neat. I do have one, I don't even know what it is, but I just have it like in my little tarot section of my room just to hang out there and look pretty. The one main thing I did to um, bring me and the Wild Unknown deck pretty close and personal, I just kind of slept with it. I don't know, I read somewhere 
that sleeping with your deck like under your pillow could help like kind of connect it with you or just like carrying it around with you. I've heard people like carrying their decks like with them at all times, even when they travel, even when they like go outside to do like casual chores. I don't, I don't really do that because I have a fear of like losing it or misplacing them. So I just mostly keep them around the house. Although I have tried the same technique with the constellation deck and still nothing, still nothing. Like I've tried, I've tried doing readings with it and it literally would just complain about like me not using it or complain about how bad our connection is and not about like what I actually want from it. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just assuming that one's just a lost cause. Again, it's probably because I had someone else accidentally touch the cards and not myself and not have it be just my own hands dealing with it. Because that's also how you um, strengthen a bond. Having you be the sole toucher of the cards, at least for like the most part in the beginning until the cards get kind of like used to you. Also, side note, shuffling. Doing the typical like bridge shuffle where you're like, um, you know, how you see people shuffle all the time, like bending the cards. That's bad. <laughs> That's very bad. Don't do that. Because if you bend the cards, then you're just like wearing them out more. Um, usually what I do to shuffle is I, um, I separate them into three piles and then um, focusing one pile at a time, I just do like an overhand shuffle, which I've gotten better at doing. And even when I'm not even holding my tarot cards, if I have some other cards in my hands, I might accidentally start doing that same thing or just kind of like tapping the cards on my palm like how I do with tarot. <laughs> there was one time, I don't know if it ever got on camera, but I was unwrapping Pokemon cards. And as I was casually talking in between, I, I started doing the same hand motions I would with tarot. So that's a fun little side effect, I guess, from that. After I give them, like, a few good shuffles, then I, um, I don't know what it's called when you do this. Then I would gather the cards up into one big pile and then, like, separate the cards. Like, I do that separate shuffle where you have piles and you, like, put a card down for each pile and you just, like, go in a circle. I, I do that sort of thing to try and, like make it more shuffled. And then from there, I do another overhand, although um, this time I make a point to turn over a section so that I could shuffle in some um, reversals as well. It's not 100% perfect what I do, but it's gotten me some pretty good results. Though if I ever start to um, notice that some cards are um, showing up more often than others, not in like strange ominous ways, but just in a way where it's obvious that my shuffling's getting stale. I either like put the whole deck aside for a while and go on with another one, or I, that's just time in my opinion for me to, um, I guess, cleanse the deck. And by cleanse, I mean just like putting the cards back into their original order and then like just reshuffling from there. Just kind of like resetting it in a way. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I should either further clarify or just mention that I haven't mentioned. 
I've been really wanting to start reading for other people because I mostly only read for myself. I, I have read for someone before and it, it mostly went all right. At least in my opinion, I think it went all right. But I do want to get better at it. I'm just mostly worried that like I might say something that's like completely off base and that that's perfectly fine because that will happen. Like, there are times, even for myself, I've done a spread and looked at the cards, and I'm like, all right, that doesn't really resonate, but cool story, cards. Cool story. Nice try. You get an A for effort. But if anyone, like, especially towards the end of this podcast, because towards the end I'm going to do a little example-y thing, if anyone actually wants me to read for them, please hit me up. Either um, on Twitter, I'm spacey underscore ghost on Twitter, or even if you hit me up by my email, spaceyghostbusiness at gmail, like even if you do that, I I'd be glad to like help you out with your issues just as long as they're not like, please help me, I'm dying tarot cards, kind of like dire needs situations, if anything, to help me practice. Because again, while I'm um, past the beginner stage, I, I by no means consider myself an expert. Like, I still have to consult my little tarot journal book thing for, like, some meanings and stuff. It's not, like, all right off the bat. And sometimes I could be staring at a card for, like, what feels like hours. Just, like, what the fuck do you mean? I did, as I was talking, look up um, some tarot reader questions new questions that I haven't touched on, new topics. I do want to bring up that my favorite tarot card is the star. The star is part of the uh, major arcana, especially the star in the Wild Unknown deck. I love that one the most because what it is, is it's just like a mostly black and white background. Well, mostly black because it's a night sky. From like an upwards perspective and you see like the star in the sky because that's where it lives. And the star itself is, like, outlined in a rainbow fashion. And I just love the meaning of the star. Because the star is all about good vibes. The star is about your innermost hopes. Renewal. Like, shit's happened. Possibly. And this is a sign that, like, things are getting better. It's just such a good, wholesome card. And I love it. I love it every time it shows up in a reading. Well, also, another thing, a deck I, I... I don't really need more decks, but another deck I, I could buy in the future for myself, there's, like, this Halloween tarot, and the art is such, like, quintessential, kind of like, you know, those Halloween storybooks the teacher would bring out during October, and you'd read, like, that sort of art style, if that makes sense to anyone. It has um, sort of vibes to it. And also, I think there's a whole minor arcana that's just ghosts. So, like, of course I'm gonna... Of course I gotta have it in my arsenal. Also, it's only, like, $12. That's, like, so cheap for a tarot deck. Tarot decks are so expensive. Like, I swear. It's one of the downsides to this hobby, is how expensive they are. Another thing about tarot is I've talked about the term spreads, and while I guess the meaning is kind of implied there, I should explain that um, while you can just like throw down the cards in any which way, 
Um, there are a lot of specific layouts called spreads that you can use with the cards where like the way you lay out the cards has meaning and even for some spreads well probably most spreads i should say the order that you place the cards in corresponds to like a specific question and just like the order you flip them over matters segue time um the spread i'm using in this example that i'm going to talk through with you guys and hopefully won't take five years to do it is the most popular one in my opinion it is the celtic cross the celtic cross consists of nine cards i believe okay i just had to re-double check it's 10 cards although me specifically i do an extra 11th card which i'm gonna explain in a bit and it's a very basic just kind of run down of like, hey, here's you. Here's an issue or something you're going through. And here's how we can kind of work it out. And here's like the outcome that you're going to come across or potentially come across. It's a spread that can work in pretty much any situation. I usually do it twice a month, unless there's like specific holidays or unless I'm having like anxiety issues. And I'm just like, please, cards, tell me I'm doing fine. And usually the cards are just like, relax, you're fine. (laughs) But um, typically I do this spread twice a month, once during the full moon, once during the new moon, just to kind of, you know, see what lies ahead, just to kind of like keep myself in check, just to like see how things are doing. So my plan was, because the new moon recently happened, and I didn't want to do my new new moon spread as I was recording, just in case, like, some serious shit was, like, being thrown down and it, things got, like, too personal. Because that would make things really awkward. So my plan was to do the new moon the night before recording, and then to do a specific spread while recording just about my YouTube channel in general. Because my YouTube channel is very important. And just, I guess, my media presence in general, in a way. Because that shouldn't get too deep. And then as I was doing my um, Celtic Cross last night, turns out the whole spread was about my YouTube career in general. Like, without prompting. I mean, I guess in a way, just me thinking about recording probably prompted it. So I guess instead of doing the spread right now live while recording, I'm just gonna go through my notes and what I wrote down. And I'll do my best to describe the cards as well because I think the descriptions are very important. And by that I mean like the pretty art pictures. In a way this might be the best way to go about it because instead of me just being like, um, uh, what does this mean? Like I already know what it means. I can just like tell you guys. Also, random thing number 47. I think it's important to have a journal with you as you do tarot because I think it's nice to like write down just to like keep track of where I'm at during a reading. Like kind of write down what I think my interpretations are and also it's cool to like go back to like previous ones and like kind of make notes as to like oh this actually ended up happening in this way or like 
oh, while I thought this spread meant this thing, it was actually about this other thing that was going on. Usually in my journal, I write down, obviously, the card that comes up and then its meaning all at once. And then once the spread's over, then I, like, kind of overview it with, like, my own, like, additional opinions. But I think it'd be better if I just did it step by step with you guys. So here we go. Just as an example for y'all, here is my New Moon Celtic Cross spread for February 2020. I think the New Moon happened on the 23rd, although technically I did it on the 25th because I'm bad. <laughs> oh, the tarot police are gonna come at me. Oh no. The first card in the Celtic Cross is basically yourself. It's just you. Who you are, where you are currently, it is, um, well, I'll get into the interesting placement of it once I get to the second card. But anyways, the card I got here is the Three of Cups, and I used my Wild Unknown deck. That's important to know. The Three of Cups, um, in this one, it's basically, like, three birds just kind of, like, chilling on a tree branch. There's, like, cups beside them because it's the Three of Cups. It'd be weird to not have the cups there. And it looks like the sun's kind of setting. So it's just kind of like a chill vibe. Just hanging out with your loved ones. Like I said, this spread feels like it resonates to um, be about my YouTube career. So it's basically just like where the channel's at now. Like, I'm obviously not big name numbers or anything, but we have a, a steady following. Most of the regulars that show up, we all know each other by names. I consider them more close friends than, like, quote-unquote fans. I mean, that still seems weird to consider that I have fans. But yeah, we've all gotten used to each other's antics. All the streams, they're all, like, such good times, such chill times. Forgive me, I keep repeating the word chill a lot. But, like, yeah, sure, new people show up, but right now, the vibes are good. The vibes are quality. We're all just hanging out, doing our thing, being good friends. The next card is the challenge. Like, what is opposing you, or, like, what sort of issue is happening. And sometimes there might not even be an opposing issue. It really depends on, like, what card comes up. The interesting thing about this card is on the spread, it is positioned, like, crossways on top of the first one. So it's, like, literally, like, opposing the first card or, like, crossing the first card. Thing with me is, is that, um, when I put a card sideways, I don't, I can't really tell if the card's reversed or not, even though it might seem obvious to others. Also, I'm just easily confused. So, um, in my own spreads, I just, like, lay them on top of each other. For my challenge, I got the Nine of Swords. Wait, no, it wasn't the Nine of Swords. It's the Nine of Wands. I looked up the meaning of the right card, but I wrote down the wrong one. But anyways, Nine of Wands. The Nine of Wands in The Wild Unknown is depicted as basically, like, a set of stairs with the wands being, like, the stair steps going, like, upwards. It's kind of like the, the need to go forward. Like, look at these stairs. You still got, like, so much ways to go. 
You gotta keep going forward. You gotta keep going up them stairs. You gotta keep on at it. Like, why stop now on the channel? Gotta, like, keep these vibes going while also achieving new heights with the channel to begin- to, to, like, start with. Like, that's what's going on here. The next card is placed above these two. Um, it's the energy being put out. It's, um, what's being presented on the surface. Maybe even, like, what sort of face I'm putting on, like, to the public. And for that one, I got the Son of Wands, which is all about moving forward with ideas, the confidence is to succeed, wanting to complete important tasks. So in accordance to this, like, it, ma it makes sense. Like, on the outside, I would definitely say I am moving forward with ideas because I have recently made some changes to my channel that I believe are for the better. Released a new trailer to just kind of like basically update things. I added new playlists, updating all my current videos to them. Also, restarting my podcast. I think that's a pretty important task and pretty like big idea I'm moving forward with. And also actively making time in my already busy schedule to like record for this instead of just letting it just wither away because of laziness and stuff. Outside of what I guess people in the public could see, I also am writing down notes for um, other podcast ideas, um, possible merch ideas, because I still want to get merch off the ground. Now that we're done with Danganronpa, there's so many more games I want to cover on the channel. Like, I know we're doing Rhyme next. I mean, it probably will be finished by the time this comes up. But that's on the table. Um, I got a game on the table that not that many people have, like, recorded that I've seen, or at least there's not that big of a scene for this game. So what I'm hoping for is that, like, I don't know, maybe I'll be the the father of this game. The, the person to bring this game into the limelight. I'm gonna make these people care about this game so hard. I say as I keep making things vague just to make things vague. I'm playing Trials of, Col of Cold Steel. That's the game I'm playing next, after Rhyme. Um, the next card is below the first two, but that is the subconscious feelings. That's what you hide from others. That's maybe just what's really going on that you don't realize. Like, another way to interpret the third and fourth card is just, like, the third one is what you're seeing or what you're realizing and the fourth one is what the hidden truth is uh, for that i got the four of pentacles the four of pentacles is about um having a need for security clinging on to things i know in reversed it's more about like being greedy i don't really think it goes to like that much extremes when it's upright while it is kind of negative in a way I think that while I am so gung-ho about moving forward with the channel and so ready to, like, welcome new friends in, I'm worried about perhaps losing, I guess, what you call the OG crew, or maybe not losing them, but, like, them fading a bit as, like, more and more new people come in. There is also the kind of small fear of moving on to different games and people not really wanting to stick around for those ones because I have been playing Danganronpa for such a long time 
and I do want to explore different genres. So if it's not like a Danganronpa type game, people might not want anything to do with that. And uh, deep down, I'm just like, okay, it's cool. And life happens. Like, please, people don't go. <laughs> please, people stay and be my friend. I'm cool, I swear. Uh, the next card, uh, the fifth card, goes to the left side of the very first card. And it's all about the past. This one is the um, Page of Pentacles. Now, I'm not that familiar with the Pentacles court, but the most I got out of it was that it's about making choices now to re reassure that you will achieve your long-term goals and like deciding what you want and going for it and that's that's very fitting because i already am making decisions both mentally and like albeit they're small decisions but like making decisions on the channel a good example would be this podcast itself like instead of being sad that like i haven't done a podcast episode in a while I'm sitting down and finding as much time as I can to, like, sit down and record so that, like, in the future, I'll have an active podcast. Because <laughs> it's not really a podcast if I don't do shit. <laughs> okay, so the next card, the sixth one, is about the recent future or the near future. This is where things get a little dicey because uh, with tarot, this is just, like, an option. And by option, <laughs> I should specify, um, it's like, this is what could happen, or what's going to happen, I guess. Although it's not 100% set in stone. Like, this recent future, quotation marks, might not even happen. I got the Six of Pentacles reversed. This is the ultimate, like, greedy card. When it's in reversed, it's about having other motives behind your generous acts, uh, using your power and influence for ill, rotten means. This card sets me off, because that's honestly like a big kind of fear of mine. This is just all about my deep fears being a YouTube live streamer. Because like, I don't want to be that person where people are like, man, I liked him so much better when he only had, like, a couple people on stream. Man, I liked him so much better when, like, blah blah blah. He's only doing it for the money now. He doesn't actually care. And uh, I do care. I, do, I care so much. Like, I worry I might seem disingenuous while streaming just because, like, I have a shit memory. And I forget simple tasks pretty easily. Well, not tasks. But more like facts. There have been times where like someone in the chat would like mention something and I'd be like, I don't know what the fuck that is. But then they'll explain it and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Of course I know that thing. I'm not just saying that to like, I'm not just saying that to make it seem like we have something in common when we don't. Like, no, no, I'm just terrible and forgetful. So yeah, I don't plan on any of that happening. And this is where the cards could be wrong, just completely wrong. Like I mentioned, the Wild Unknown is known to be an asshole deck. So this could be the deck being an asshole and making me worry about nothing. 
Or maybe it's just, like, laying that out there, like, oh, don't forget, gaining popularity on the internet can turn you into an, an asshole, so keep yourself in check. Maybe that's why that's in the recent future. Not that it is the future, but, like, that is other people's futures, and you don't want it, you being myself, don't want it to, like, also be a part of your future. Damn, I should write that part down. Now, the next card is part of, like, kind of a separate section of the Celtic cross. Because you have the cross part, which is cards one through six. And then to the side, there's a row going vertical, like, from the bottom up. That's also a part of it. So starting from the bottom, the seventh card is the deck advice. Like, what advice the deck has for you right now, basically. For that one, we got the Hanged Man. And the Hanged Man in the Wild Unknown is really cool. It's just like a bat hanging upside down. And it's got like red eyes and it looks really cool. And the Hanged Man is um, kind of like a pause. I mean, there's multiple meanings behind it, but that's how I take it. Like, wait, hold up. There's something you're not 100% seeing wait a minute, and try and have a change of perspective. Because, like, the hanged man is typically, like, a person hanging upside down. Literal change of perspective. You get it? <laughs> um, this part I don't 100% get, but I think that's kind of the point, because I don't get it. I don't see what I need to be seeing. So how can I interpret that as anything if I just don't know what it is? Which is kind of foreboding, but we shall see. Above that, the eighth card is about environmental factors. Not necessarily the environment outside, but like figuratively outside of yourself. Like what other factors that have nothing to do with you that also play a role in this situation? Sometimes I have a hard time... Um, interpreting this section until like after time has passed after the moment has happened and i'm just like oh yeah that was a thing but here i just have the wheel of fortune which is the card about destiny about the universe things being out of my hands but it's okay because the universe wants the best of you and the universe usually takes care of everything you know kind of like the saying of things happen for a reason. It's kind of saying that um, no matter what happens, for good or for bad, what is either happening or going to happen with my channel is the best outcome, is the outcome that I'm meant to have, and there's nothing really I can do about it. I mean, sure, I can make my own changes, I can like make my own decisions, free will is a thing, but the universe is the universe, and there's nothing I can do to stop it. Now, here's where I make some changes. Because traditionally, this next card, the ninth card, is about your hopes and fears. This is typically just one card, which makes things confusing. Because it's like, are you supposed to choose? I think in most Celtic crosses, it's actually supposed to talk about both the hope and the fear in one card. Like... Your hope is the positive aspect of it, and your fear is the negative aspect of it. But I think that's lame. 
So I do the other alternative and I actually um, put down two cards. And then from there, I decide which one's the hope and which one's the fear. There was one time I actually got two cards that were kind of aligned in the same way. And they were both barely positive cards. So I was just like, fuck it, maybe I don't fear anything. Um, this is a similar case. You'll, you'll see in a moment how I interpreted it. So the first card, um, the fear card, is the Eight of Wands. The Eight of Wands is about sudden movement, uh, things progressing, just flowing with ideas and emotion. The way this is depicted in The Wild Unknown is um, it's like a bunch of wands on the ground and then one like lit up in the rainbow outline and it's like sticking straight up. It kind of gives me that vibe like in movies where there's like a map and everyone's like making all these decisions and then the main character just goes to the map and they take a knife and they like stick it straight into the map and it's like, yep, that is the final decision. That is how we're progressing things. Let's fucking do this. That's how I perceive this card typically. And you might think to yourself, but that's kind of a good thing. Why do you depict it as your fear? Well, I think it's because, again, it's specifically sudden movement. My fear is that while progression is great altogether, it might be too much for me to handle at once. Or that things would suddenly, like, move too far forward than uh, what I'm comfortable at. Kind of along the lines of the hope card for me, the Son of Cups. The Son of Cups is also, again, I could be off a bit because I'm not that familiar with the cup. Not the cups. <laughs> familiar with the quartz. Also, the Knight of Cups is what it's called. But it's also about moving things forward, but specifically... Um, emotional based like the following your heart sort of aspect of progression whereas the eight of wands is like oh shit things are happening the son of the knight of cups i should say i think in this situation is more like moving things at my own pace things moving forward at my comfortable comfort level and only after putting a lot of thought and care into my decisions like purposeful progression instead of like possible hasty progression and then at the end the very last card is the overall outcome like what the overall thing is at the end i guess i mean it, it's the outcome again this potentially could be wrong because free will there's lots of different paths to take but um the overall outcome of the spread is the Nine of Cups reversed, which is literally just Nine Cups face down. I was gonna say tipped over, but they, they aren't tipped over. It's just they're upright and now they're not. Now normally the upright version of the Nine of Cups is that like, oh, things are satisfactory. Things are cool. Things are good. But when it's reversed, either something is still missing or it also like another interpretation is just generally wanting more. So I feel like either it could mean that even after things have improved and gotten better with the channel, I might still feel like there's more to be done, which is just things in general. Like, life is just a staircase anyways. 
like you make steps to improve and there's still going to be more improvement. Not everything's 100% perfect. There's no 100% stopping point in no matter what you do. There's always bigger and better things. But also the fact that the outcome mentions something being missing in the deck advice also mentions something not being seen or realized. That kind of low-key concerns me. <laughs> so hopefully that's nothing bad. Hopefully I figure that out. Hopefully this doesn't sound like nonsense. Hopefully y'all un understood and were entertained by that. There are other spreads I've done besides the Celtic Cross. Like, there are so many you can just find on Tumblr. There's like a huge tarot community on Tumblr. I don't usually- I'm not usually active on like that sort of thing. But that's just because everyone seems like so established and so high up there. Like, I'm cool just being a passive observer. Just like liking posts and writing down advice and like techniques and just like keeping it to myself. Also, um, a lot of decks themselves, like sometimes if they come with like a fancy booklet, it'll come with, with like some example spreads that like you might not have heard of or used before. So that's also pretty neat. Like there are spreads made specifically for like certain holidays or specifically for certain questions or like moods. There's basically like a spread for everything. And I like finding new ones and seeing like how well they work. Usually if there's a spread that doesn't work for me, it's because the questions in the spread are yes or no questions. <laughs> and I, I mean, some cards are very obvious if you pull for like a yes or no. Like, I feel the Sun card is a very much, like, yes card. While the Ten of Swords is a very no card. Like, no, you're gonna fuck up seriously. Don't do that shit kind of card. But other cards are more kind of iffy. So I don't know, maybe I just need more practice. Or maybe I'm just, like, good to avoid yes or no questions in general. Might be, like, the general consensus. I think I'm just gonna leave it at that. I think that's a good way to end the podcast. Again, if you have any opinions or questions or anything, also if you potentially would like me to read some tarot, if you like how I interpreted the cards, either DM me or at me on Twitter, Spacey Ghost, un Spacey underscore Ghost, I should say. Or um, my Gmail, specifically for podcast things, is spacyghostbusiness at gmail.com. Let me see, do I have things? Present time, present time. Open the door, see what's inside. That's... You don't open doors when you get mail. Okay, the inbox, unfortunately, is empty. For the next podcast, I don't know what's gonna go up first. I know the next season of RuPaul... I know that's coming up, like, in a few days. So I don't know if I'm just going to obsessively make a podcast episode based on the first episode and just my reactions of that. Or I know, I think around the 15th of March, I want to say, the new Castlevania season comes out. And I've been really meaning to do Castlevania on the podcast. I know um, Blanco, who's um, a good 
friend, a good regular, a good specter. He's constantly like, please do uh, Castlevania. I'm almost done with season two. I'm going to do this. And then they announced season three. So after season, season three, I'm going to talk about Castlevania. It's going to be an awesome time. Like I said, I don't know which of those is going to come first. In hindsight, I should probably do Castlevania because, like, I feel like anime is part of the podcast name. Like, I have to review an anime thing at some point. I can't keep the people waiting. But again, we shall see. Until then, I hope you guys have a lovely day. Again, here's me forgetting how I end my podcasts. I can't wait for all these channel slash social media slash internet presence improvements. I hope they stick. I plan on making them stick. And it's just exciting to see what potentially is in store. Until then, I'll see you guys sometime in the future. Yeah, that's how I end it. Yeah, bye friends. Have a lovely day.